Hello church family, today we are going to look at Acts chapter 8 verse 25 to the end of chapter which is verse 40. Um, in this particular portion of scripture we, we really see how there is no such thing as a uh, useless ministry or a strange ministry, particularly when it comes to the teaching of God's word. Um, I think the Bible is clear that we're, we need to preach and teach God's word in season and out of season and whoever uh, is willing to listen, we go and we teach God's word. And I think this should be helpful for us when we think about uh, the, whether it be discipleship or preaching or teaching a Sunday school or teaching to children, whatever it may be, uh, there, there should be a sense in which we see as a privilege to be able to pro proclaim God's word. Uh, in this particular section, uh, Philip is going to go and, win and witness to the Ethiopian eunuch and uh, again, this is kind of continue on with the how the Holy Spirit is working through the apostles. Uh, and you know, chapter seven was when Stephen gets killed for defending the faith. And then beginning of chapter eight, there's a little glimmer of this uh, guy named Saul who went around killing Christians. It's not known, or it's at least not revealed in the text, how long he was persecuting Christians, but he just kind of appears, and he says that he, his persecution is what causes the scattering of God's people all over the world. And although some people left, there were a few that stayed behind. There were some that stayed to, to bury Stephen, and even to continue ministering in the people in, in Jerusalem, while others are uh, scattered to go and teach the gospel. And I think this is why in... Starting from verse 4, we see a picture of Philip because you kind of see just a, a small taste of what that dispersion was like. Philip, uh, he went out. He went out. He was scattered. He went out. He started preaching to people in Samaria. Uh, there was a false convert named Simon who uh, claimed, who was interested in uh, Christianity, even though he had all of these supernatural things. But it was revealed at the end, uh, toward the uh Verse 19, that he only wanted uh, the Holy Spirit to be in him so that he can do um, the supernatural acts. And he wanted to bribe Peter um, with money to, to basically give him the Holy Spirit. And Peter rebukes him to the face and tells him, uh, may your silver perish with you. And he, he warns them, he tells them to repent because his heart is still not forgiven because of the bondage he has with iniquity. And yet this guy at the end of that portion is left to, to basically the audience to, to guess whether or not he became a believer because it says that he asked Peter to pray for them. And I'm sure Peter prayed, but I'm not sure if this guy, Simon, actually repented. Now the story shifts to something more interesting in, in terms of how this dispersion of uh, uh, God used providentially to bring people to the Lord how, uh, how he does it in, in bringing Gentiles to saving faith. So we're going to look at verse 25. And as I walk through this, I do want to highlight how there is no such thing as a, as a ministry that's not important. Every ministry, but specifically in terms of teaching, is important. And I hope that this would encourage you if you feel exhausted from teaching to just to, to, to not stop, to don't quit, to continue to be faithful to the task uh, that, that the Lord's given you with the stewardship of the gospel that, um, that you're entrusted with. So let's look at verse 25. So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started, he, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of Samaritan. 
So then, you know, they were meaning the disciples, as well as uh, um, Philip and others, they just kept preaching. They just kept teaching God's word, and many people were saved because of it. Verse, verse 26, But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So while some people were trying to go back to Jerusalem, uh, Philip was called to go the other direction, which is about like 100 miles, or a little bit more than 100 miles to go. And this is, you know, walking. So he, God tells him to go the other direction for 100 miles. And it's a desert road. But yet Philip, being moved by the Spirit, understood um, his role that his life was not known, so he went. He so he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of Ethiopian, who was in charge of all her treasures, and he came to Jerusalem to worship. So this, so he. You, one thing we notice here is that Philip was a willing servant. Uh, God moved him, uh, told him to go, and he did. He submitted. He did not say, "Oh, uh, go wait a few days." He didn't say fast. He just went. And I think this is where. We need to see the kind of like the urgency when it comes to teaching is that we need to study God's word and teach wherever the Lord provides, whether it is to non-believers or to believers. We need to there, there's a mandate for us to make disciples of all nations, and you can't do that if you're disobedient to the Lord. We are here to be as ambassadors and heralds of the Scriptures, and we need to go and tell people of the good news of Jesus Christ, and uh, the for generally for most of us we we make excuses we're too busy uh, there's too many things going on in my life I need to do uh, the uh, other things that are seemingly more important but you have to understand that what makes Christians distinct one of the aspects is that we tell people about Jesus Christ we don't tell them to do any works but we go and we uh, share the gospel with them and, you, and we go wherever the Lord places us so here back in the text Philip went uh, to uh, go to, to find uh, this is Ethiopian. He saw these people, verse 20, and he was returning and sitting his, uh, his cha- on his chariot and was reading, oh, re- sorry, sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. So when you look at this verse here, you know, it's like Philip was going down and as that, this was happening, there was a chari- chariot from this Ethiopian person. He wanted to go to Jerusalem to worship. So the implication is that this is a person that was seeking Judaism. He might have been a proselyte, meaning that he was a Gentile person that became a Jew or started worshiping Judaism or practicing Judaism and is trying to figure out, oh, well, I need to go back into worship. Maybe it's some ceremonial thing or, or a ritual thing. But as he's on this chariot, and a chariot back then, don't think of like, um, you know, like a box with a whole bunch of horse pulling it. A chariot back then was it's like the box, but with people holding it. So, you know, they're, they're usually there's like, like a group of people holding it. They will take turns and they'll just keep going. And this was as he was sitting there in this chair, he was reading the prophet of Isaiah. So he had the he had at least the book of Isaiah, but if not the whole Old Testament, he was just reading it. Verse twenty. Then the spirit said to Philip, "Go up and join this chair." So he goes, and then uh, verse thirty. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And said, "Do you understand what you are reading?" So he got close enough to hear the Ethiopian eunuch read uh, Isaiah, and in particular Isaiah fifty three. And he asked him, "Hey, have you do you know what you are reading?" Um, Verse 31, well, and he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him, which is kind of funny to me. You think about, you know, it's like a chair with people, you know, holding this whole chair box up. And then he invites um, Philip to go. So it must be that it's like, oh, it's adding more weight to the guys holding this chariot. Verse 32, now the passage of scripture, which, was, which he was reading, was this. 
He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a man before its shearers is silent, so he does not open his mouth in humiliation. His judgment was taken away. Who will relate his uh, generation? For his life is removed from the earth. This is a reference to Isaiah 53, verse um, Isaiah 53, verse 7 and 8. And uh, this is speaking something unique. This is obviously not speaking of the nation of Israel, because the nation of Israel, I mean, that's some of the Jewish people think in these terms, that this must be uh, speaking of the nation. And that's not true, because the nation did not die for, or bore the sin of the, for, of the world. And this can't be Isaiah, because this not, didn't happen to Isaiah, and didn't happen to any other prophet, because all the prophets, even when they suffered, they were weeping and wailing. But Jesus is unique in that he suffers in silence. Verse 34, the eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me of whom does the prophet say this, Say this, of himself or of someone else? So again, this is not saying, Isaiah wasn't talking about himself, which is what some Jewish scholars believe. Uh, but other Jewish scholars probably, uh, uh, actually I have a commentary uh, from a non-believing Jewish person uh, talking about Isaiah 53. And he even hints that, he even will acknowledge that this sounds really close to Jesus, but that since he's a non-believer, he just kind of dismisses it, the fact that it's, it's not probably not Jesus, but it does sound awfully close to him. That's what some of the Jews think. They, they hear this, they know it's about Jesus, but instead of actually worshiping Jesus, they choose to reject him. But uh, uh, and, and the eunuch asks a really good question. Are the, is this person speaking about himself, which is the Jewish argument, or is he speaking about someone else? And, and that's the, what the, how we Christians interpret Isaiah 53, verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began from the scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Now this is, uh, shows you that you know, this Ethiopian eunuch, uh, by, by God's providence, was interested in learning about God. And he went through the Old Testament to get to the New Testament. And uh, Philip here was, was wise enough, and he knew the scriptures enough to be able to tie the Old Testament to Christ. Again, this wasn't a time where there was Old Testament, New Testament bounded like what we have. So they were just teaching God's word uh, about Jesus from the Old Testament. And he was very clear exactly what he was uh, saying. And he, and he knew God's word well enough to be able to answer his question. Which gets to our point and some things that we need to think about when we are teaching God's word is that we need to know God's word. I know there's a tendency to say things like defer to the elders or the pastors, but uh, there's a sense in which all of us need to grow in our knowledge of God's word. Uh, and you have to take time to study. You have to take time to learn and memorize and, 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 and just understand uh, difficult passages so that when the opportunity comes, you would be able to defend and speak clearly about the word of God. And that's what's going on here. Philip was a godly individual who knew God's word. He knew God's word so that when even when he was there reading this seemingly random portion, uh, he was he was ready to be able to answer this question. He explained it to him from the scripture. And it says here in verse 35, that Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And it doesn't really specify here from in terms of how much time has passed, but verse 36 it says, And they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? So somewhere along the line in this conversation, as he's explained to Jesus, I'm assuming that in this conversation, he's talked about how the Old Testament fulfilled and went to Jesus, how, and even the life of Jesus, how Jesus had to be baptized. And he commands other people to get baptized. And then at some point, the Ethiopian looks, hey, there's water here. What prevents me from being baptized? Now, there's this little side note that, why we in our church hold to immersion, and, and I think this is one of those. Uh, this portion here is one of those answer, those texts that answers those questions. 
why we believe in immersion, because of verse 38, it says, And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they went down into the water, as well as the eunuch, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized them. And they went up out of the water, and the Spirit snatched Philip away. So, in order for, you know, I'm sure the Ethiopian eunuch had, uh, had a bottle of water. Like, there's no way you would travel hundreds of miles on nothing. You know, so he had water. And if he wanted to sprinkle, he could just ask, hey, I have a bottle of water here. Can you sprinkle me with this? And we could get this over with. But that's not the case. Uh, the Ethiopian understood what baptism meant. And he tells him, hey, there's some water here. Can I go get baptized? What's to stop me? And then Phil goes and he baptizes him. And this is one of those things that um, as you teach God's word, you need to teach them uh, what obedience to God's word is. The most basic thing in the Christian faith, the very first act outside after you know saving faith that a Christian needs to understand is that they need to get baptized. When you teach a, a, a believer, especially a young believer, and if they truly accept Christ, you need to encourage them to go get baptized. Yes, baptism doesn't save you, but not wanting to get baptized is disobedience to the Lord because Christ tells us that we need to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the most basic elementary principle thing that a young believer needs to do, they don't even need to be, you know, they don't need to know every little thing, but the only thing they need to know is that um, you, know, you truly believe and you identify yourself with Jesus Christ by uh, going into the water of baptism. And if this is you, if you're not baptized, then I would advise you to talk to either myself or, or, uh, or yeah, talk to me or the other pastor to figure out a time where you can and should get baptized. Anyways, uh, after he got baptized, it says in verse 3, that the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. Now this should sound familiar, um, and not, not in terms of the disappearing act of Philip, but the fact that when um, the Ethiopian eunuch got saved, uh, he went out rejoicing. Now the implication here is that he went back to Ethiopia, or he may potentially continue going through Jerusalem, he met other believers. I think church history has said that with this with the, this eunuch, he went back to Ethiopia, which is a very small place in Africa, um, and he started a church there. Um, some people argue that the church was around for, um, he wasn't obviously like a pastor right away, but, but the, at least he was out sharing the gospel and people got saved through there. Which again, we don't know definitively, but I, I trust that uh, just like how Philip had this desire to go and share the gospel with everyone, that you know, genuine Christians have a heart for people to know God. They would always want to find ways, or at least praying for people to go and share the gospel and tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, only apathetic and non-Christians are the ones that do not care about the gospel being made known. Verse 4, but Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, the, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. That's really interesting here that the Holy Spirit moved him, and he's now, what does he do? He just, keep going, he just keeps on preaching, keeps on teaching God's word. He's, I'm sure he found other people that he heard God's word, and he did, went through the same steps over and over again, asked them questions, shared the gospel with them, used the Bible to teach them, and then the result that they believe they would get baptized. And again, that's some of the lessons that we can draw when you're teaching someone. Don't ever assume that um, you know, God can't move you to a place where you can be effective. Just like Philip had no idea where he was going, most of us in our life will never have any idea what the future may hold or who we're going to minister to. But we do need to be ready, just like how Philip was, so that when the Bible is, uh, when there are Bible questions, that he was able to use the scriptures to teach them and how they can tie this to Jesus Christ. 
And I hope that this is for you. When you when you're serving in the whatever ministry and teaching responsibilities that you have, that you see as a privilege, that you ask God for grace to understand God's word and be equipped so that you can teach other people in hopes that they can have immediate obedience to the Lord. And I hope that this is us as well. As we grow and serve uh, the people in our church, that they would come to saving faith and that um, those that would come to saving faith will have immediate obedience and live a life of obedience to the Lord. So that's this message for today. Thanks for listening. Take care and have a good day.